Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Changing the Lost Vanity. Vanity is a first edition Chronicles of Darkness game set in southern Florida during the year 1993. Father Katrina, played by Tillman, Raymond, played by Chris, Isabel, played by Andrew, Frank, played by Slavic, and Adam as the storyteller, as they uncover the mysteries of the true Fae and forge new paths for themselves in a world of beauty and madness. Follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM for channel updates, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hi guys, welcome to Changeling the Lost, session two of Vanity. Just going to give a quick recap of what happened last session. Basically, we introduced our four players here. We have Andrew playing Isabel, we have Slavic playing Frank, Tillman playing Katrina, and Chris playing Raymond. When we last left off, it was a Friday night, and it was the grand opening of the Bliss Club, a club owned by the Spring Court Queen. Uh, this was kind of like a buzz in the uh, the Changeling community for the Fort Lauderdale Freehold. So it was, it was a somewhat of a night of importance, but it was cut short when the Queen of the Autumn Court noticed one of her own missing, a young man named Charlie Garcia. Um, Raymond, being a uh, loyal member to his court, told Norma not to worry and that he would look into it. And that kind of leaves us where we are now. Katrina was right about to talk to Melissa, Melissa Bennett. Um, she is one of Charlie's Motley mates. Uh, they are part of a, the same Motley. It's called the Crow People. Um, they're somewhat of a degenerate group. They're all young people who had the same keeper. They're known for being uh, somewhat of troublemakers and living a somewhat criminal lifestyle. And I believe where we left off, Katrina was right about to approach Melissa Bennett and see if she knew anything about where Charlie is. Um, Charlie hasn't been seen by any members of the Freehold or any members of his Motley in the past uh, two weeks. Um, so that pretty much brings us up to speed, and we will take it from the nightclub, starting with Katrina. Right, so I think I was approaching uh, Melissa, was it, last time, and uh, was startled that uh, she was really high on drugs. I don't know which ones, but uh, I just saw that she was kind of slumped against the wall and had, I think... Uh, Either pointy or really big eyes. I don't know which one. Yeah. So, so you you approached her. Um, she was kind of standing with the other members of the spring court. It's kind of um, divided into little tables for you know different courts to kind of um, meet with their uh, their own people. And as you approached her and you kind of uh, tapped on her shoulder to get her attention, you saw that her eyes were like completely dilated. Um, just kind of like rolling backwards, just look completely out of it, um, sweat on her skin, very pale. Um, and she kind of just like looks back at you dazed, somewhat confused, and just asks if she can help. Can she help you? One thing I think I wanted to do last time was ask someone for help. You know, Katrina uh, doesn't know anything about medicine. and Basically, is just started that this girl is so out of it. Right, right. So I, so I wanted to grab... Really, anyone nearby from the spring court who looks like he or she might be uh, of help. Okay, right. Um, so the the first person that you see, you see Howard Abbott. He's a guy that you know from the spring. You recognize him from the spring court. Um, he's another darkling. He has um, this somewhat like translucent skin and this like very whitish, uh, almost like translucent style of hair his skin is very like uh porcelain like uh very smooth and um very like gaunt cheeks very angular features and you kind of tap on his shoulder and he he turns and looks at you kind of like puts his hand on your back and like takes your arm and just like listens in to see what you have to say because it's loud like he leans into you hey howard mm -hmm. i don't know i think uh Melissa is completely out of it. Uh, can you help me out here? I, I don't really know if she needs help. 
he takes a step forward and he grabs he he turns Melissa around and he's he's standing in front of her looking into her eyes. He he kind of slaps her cheek a little bit and he just goes like, "Oh no, that's it's pretty standard. That's pretty uh pretty much how it goes with Melissa. Unfortunately, um she's she's got some problems, but you know, she looks like she's okay. This is pretty regular. She can she can handle her stuff, I guess. He doesn't really seem to be too concerned at all. And he just kind of like turns turns and walks away. All right, so is this, I stick this is just and... like a completely regular thing that that uh, the people who know her have like seen. You know, she lives like the lifestyle of somewhat of a of an addict, and she's usually pretty pretty strung out or you know high or or whatever. So like the people who know her well, you know, you get this vibe that he's not really that concerned, right? Well, I think Katrina is still a bit uncomfortable with the whole situation. Uh, but as um, have you seen Charlie? She's going to kind of look at you like somewhat, um, somewhat like disappointed in her expression, and she just says like, "No, I I haven't seen Charlie. I'm afraid. You know, he's he's really he's really like I consider him like a brother. But you know, this past couple of weeks he's been very depressed and keeping to himself." I was able to to reach him on the phone at his grandmother's house. So we didn't we didn't talk for too long, but he assured me that he's okay. He's just, you know, he's going through some stuff. The the way that we all kind of go through some stuff. Uh So his grandmother's looking after him? Yeah, oh yeah, he lives with his grandma. They live down there in Plantation. Um so which you know Plantation is a place in southern Florida. It's about it's it's like about a a 20 minute drive east from the area that you guys are in now, Los Olas. And it's um it's more of a um suburban area than this sort of like coastal um nightlife center that you guys are in now. Which like so for last time we left off, you guys are in the nightclub. It's in like the Los Olas strip, which is kind of the um you know, like the the ocean side part of southern Florida where there's a lot of like luxury there's lots of like attractions, lots of like luxury hotels like mansions beach properties stuff like that so what I, i thought charlie was living with uh you guys i thought he had like a like a place together yeah yeah i mean we we have the hollow together all of us and, and we share it it's just you know he used to check in every now and then he'd spend some nights there you know especially after partying or whatever but we just haven't seen him at all in the past couple of weeks um you know i was really nervous at first because We're a pretty tight knit group. We, I'll just come straight out and say it. We kind of live on the outside of, of even even changeling society. I was really nervous when I hadn't heard from him, but it, it gave me comfort to know that he's at least with his grandma. He's at least at home, you know. And hopefully, he snaps out of it soon. We we really miss the guy around here. You know, he's like a brother to me. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I'm glad you're here, though. She um, nods at you and, and gives you like a a warm smile. So if he shows up again, um, definitely tell him that we're always here for him. Like I know you guys are very close, but uh, this whole thing we've got going on here, uh, I think it's important to look after one another. So I just awkwardly smile to her, like still uh, a bit unsure and how about uh, how to deal with her, like step back a little bit. <laughs> And yeah, she just she just puts her hand on on your shoulder and gives you like a, a warm smile before just turning away. You get the impression that she's just like very much sedated, you know, from from everything. Uh, if it was something that she was actually worried about, who's to say that you would even be able to tell behind that mask of just like total, you know, like drug sedation? Right. So I think that was it. But I don't remember if I was gonna ask her something uh, in particular, like for an address. I believe the rest of the group, we were kind of all gathered at the uh, summer court table talking to Emmanuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I know is that I got the address for where Charlie's grandmother lived, and I was just okay. kind of waiting for Trina to talk to, uh, get done talking to Melissa, yep. and then I was gonna, I was gonna crawl up Isabel and Frank. All right, yeah, I was gonna gather those two up because I can tell that Isabel's not too happy to have to go with me. So I'm just kind of like waiting to the last possible minute to grab her up before we leave. You know, 
Well, she did say she's going to finish her drink and then go. So I'll let you guys um, let you guys finish what you're going to do in the uh, club. I think that I think that Norma had asked for you to um, to actually like check in on Charlie. So when you guys are good to go. Yep, definitely. So I'm going to see if I see that Katrina's done talking to Melissa. I'm going to kind of walk up to her while she walks away. So how did that go? Uh, I don't know. About all right. She's really high. I, uh, Harold, I think it was, told me uh, that this is normal for her. I mean, I could talk to her, but I don't know if that's... <laughs> it seemed like as far as I could go with her, I don't think she's going to do anything this night other than... Well, hang out in that corner. You look like it bothers you a little bit, what you saw. I don't know. I just can't accept that this is normal for her, you know? There are whole groups of society that are in her state, and it's considered the norm for them because they have a hard time dealing with their surroundings and the environment they're in. Then you factor in what we've all gone through. To be honest with you, Katrina, I'm very surprised there's not more of us who are in her shoes right now. Really, I'm surprised a lot, but we all have our own ways of dealing with it, I suppose. I think her way isn't the way to deal with it. I don't think she's going to be very successful. It's a shame, really, if you think about it. Those Miami folks down there thought it was prudent not to to let them in, which I frankly don't understand why. So you're going to turn away and shun people who have gone through the same, if not worse than you, and what, just turn your backs and pretend like life goes on? I frankly can't wrap my mind around that. I don't know, aren't we doing the same thing right now? I mean, she's here with us, but that's about it. I I can see what you say. You have a valid point there. You really do. Even though we have accepted them, we we are, in a way, condoning their actions by not speaking out against it. But maybe it's something that we can do when we go speak to Charlie. I think they need each other. She made that very clear. Maybe we could start with Charlie and, 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 and the positive influence that you can imprint upon him can spread amongst their little group. Sounds like you have a new purpose. I just kind of smile. <laughs> or am I volunteering you to do something? <laughs> and I just pat her on the shoulder gently, you know, like I'm joking. You know what I mean? I give him another awkward smile and roll my eyes. You have a very valid point. Maybe it's something we could talk about later on with uh, Norma. But our first priority, I think, is to rein in one of our own and get him squared away. And then we could see what we could do for the others of the group. Now, I have the hard time, the next hard challenge of separating that lady over there from her drink. She didn't seem too pleased to have a manual tasker with coming with us. Frankly, I don't know why he did, but I, I know better than turning away favors from people in his position. So would you care to join me for protection? I just kind of smile. All right. I fight for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can take the big guy. And I, just cut, and I start walking towards Isabella. I'm doing the approach slowly so she can see me coming. Like, you know, not raising my hands up in the air, but just my body language, very, like, neutral. You know what I mean? Very, like, I, I come in peace, kind of body well, language. Well, as, as he's approaching, um, she'll kind of just, like, look at what she's got left, just down it, set it down, stand up. Like, all right, let's get this over with. Like, uh, you don't yes, even ma'am. have to say anything. Uh, just as soon as you um, as soon as soon you start approaching, she's, like, kind of rolling her eyes, like, all right, I, let's uh, go. And then I look in the direction of the... The, the giant that's sitting to Emmanuel's right there. And I just kind of, kind of like give him the quick up down. You know what I mean? And then I walk over and extend my hand out as if to shake it, kind of testing the waters. Cause I, I don't think I've ever like really sat down and talked to Frank. I want, I would assume I haven't, I don't know, but you haven't really talked to him. You, you know who he is because of, uh, you know, summer court, but you know, you guys haven't really had any long, meaningful talks or, you know, more than introductions, really. Oh, Frank? Is that is that what you prefer to be called, sir? Oh, yeah. Just, just call me Frank. You're Ray, Raymond? Ray, yep, Raymond. Right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Manny told me to remember the names of some of the changelings here. That's what I did. Manny's a smart smart man. Smart man, indeed. Uh, so, uh, I'm not sure if Manny, uh, has spoke, spoke to you about, uh, I guess he wanted you to come along with us while we checked up on a friend of ours. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think now's, you know, a great time to go take care of this and maybe we can get you guys back to the celebration 
and 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 we we, we can carry on with our knives. I, I don't for I, I don't foresee this taking too long. So All right. the well, quicker we get driving. it done. Oh yes, ma'am, definitely. I'll drive. Don't worry. I, I it's uh my tasking, my gas money, and, and definitely I'll put the miles on my vehicle. Uh, I've already had and... two drinks. I'm not. I'm not doing it. Yes, ma'am. I, I completely understand. She yes, ma'am. I guess we're going. And I just kind of like look at, at, at Katrina and follow Isabella out to the out of the club into the parking lot. That's awesome. So you guys are rolling out. Um, whose car are you guys? Are you guys all going together in one car? I'm assuming. I would prefer that Probably. to be honest. Okay. Fit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think it's we'll going to be tough. Right. But I think it should work. It's a Cadillac. It's like ten yards long. Yeah, plenty of foot room there, Frank. <laughs> so when we get to the car. Just like I would just like to say that like Raymond and he does it like subconsciously, but like you'll see like he kind of does like a walk around his car like he's looking at his car, like kind of kicking the tire of the cars kind of thing. And then he'll go and open the doors for whoever, you know, he'll open the passenger door of his car and just kind of look to see everyone, the females to see if they would like to go go in the in the, I guess, shotgun for lack of a better term. Gentlemanly. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Not in a creepy though, like you know what I mean, Rico Suave kind of way, but more just like an old school, like oh, of course, you know yeah. what I mean, like yeah, just being polite kind of thing, you know. So I don't know who's sitting in the shotgun. Well, if Frank uh, is, I was going to say if Katrina doesn't step <laughs> forward, she'll uh, Isabel would would uh, just kind of like roll her eyes, like okay, she'll accept this as the like you're trying to be polite and yeah, polite. yeah. So okay, yeah, but she'll so make it seem like it's a favor to you that she's going to sit shotgun. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. I'll let Isabel sit yeah. in there and I'll open the other door for Katrina or yeah, for Katrina and then and then get in there. But when I get in like my car like and start driving, I I just want to make it like known that like he looks in his rearview mirror a lot, you know what I mean? And he'll adjust his rearview mirror while driving, you know what I'm saying? Not like like almost like uh seems like he has a nervous tick that you know what I mean that does that quite a bit or look look like in the side mirror uh, mirror of his car but not like all the time but more than normal even like in whatever in the middle of whatever conversations that we're having during all this he'll pause and like look in the rearview mirror and then keep, not not at people in the back seat either just to see whoever's behind him. i mean i don't even think he's like aware that he's doing it you know what i mean it's just part of how he drives or like he like taps the tape. wheel yeah and he taps the wheel a lot like with his finger you know what i mean his fingers while he's driving such as that so I imagine that but when okay. Frank gets in, like the whole thing kind of rocks a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a bit of description here, we we have this this car. It's kind of um, heading down the highway. We have Raymond in the driver's seat. Who the way that you guys see him right now is is still like he had he had. Uh, I don't know if you remember earlier, but he had spent a, a glamour point to put his mask up even around other changelings. So the way that you guys are seeing him now is pretty much exactly as if there was just a mortal driving the car. You guys being changelings and the effects of this being somewhat close to the to the end, I would say, um, can kind of just see like small traces of just uh, his fame means peeking through, but it's almost indistinguishable from, from a, a normal human being. But uh, except for his shadow, of course, which would still show... Um, I imagine almost like a movement, you know, like like smoke or something. In the passenger seat, Isabel is um, is sitting. Uh, are you buckled by any chance? What are you doing yeah. in the car? I'm imagining you like uh, would be like checking yourself out in the mirror or something like that. <laughs> no, she's not conceited. Okay. She uh, she's no, she's not conceited or anything. She'd just be uh. Probably looking out the window, pissed. Right? Yeah, like no, not pissed, just kind of annoyed. You know, just like, okay. like she's just kind of avoiding conversation if it comes up, and just looking out the window, like, kind of just waiting. You know, are we there? No, we're not. If there's a sense of awkwardness like that, I'm going to try to break the ice in a way. You know what I mean? To the best of my ability, and remain social in the car to make the drive go by quicker. Plus, I've like with my character, I think. In situations like this, where there's tension, he would try to like diffuse it in a way so his own, you know what I mean, his own flaws in a way won't come peeking out, you know. But what better way to hide what you are, what your issues are, than to have 
like a conversation of sorts, you know what I mean? And keep it off the subject of what inevitably we're probably going to be dealing with, you know, another one of our kind, if that makes sense, you know? So um, just again, all right. So really quick, uh, Tillman, you're, I mean, Katrina, you are sitting behind the seat that Isabel is in and um, next to you pushing into that like middle passenger seat is, is Frank just kind of uh, like squishing into you just from his sheer size. You guys are like packed like a can of sardines right now. And uh, before Raymond um, gets into gets into conversation here, do you guys want to um, say what your characters are thinking really quickly? Starting with uh, Katrina. I think Katrina regrets not taking the passenger seat. Um, <laughs> just tried to uh, lean out the window as much as possible. <laughs> Frank, what's going through your mind right now? I probably should have left Fluffy at home. Oh yeah, and so on on Frank's lap is a is a backpack with a top zipper kind of unzipped uh halfway. And you can you can hear sounds and movement coming from it for those of you who are in the car also. I'll address that in the conversation when we get to it. <laughs> Raymond or Isabel, I'm sorry I, I didn't ask this sooner, but was there anything you guys wanted to add as far as like what your characters are thinking? I know you guys pretty much kind of went into that, so I figured. Isabel Boston. doesn't get what the big deal is. She's just okay. like, I don't, I don't understand like why this is a, why he even needs all of us to go. This is ridiculous. Right. She's just, you know, confused and, yeah, and just- mildly irritated. Yeah, and just to add to like what I said about Raymond, he also he's kind of like a little part of him is like dreading a little bit what he might find out or the confrontation that might occur, seeing that he tries to be like non-confrontational, you know, but he feels like almost indebted, like he has to go do this, almost like uh like um yeah, like he's part of a pack kind of thing, and it's on him to rein him in, you know, penance for what he what he's done in his past, you know. So Isabella, um. Sorry for having you, Isabel. Oh, Isabel, I, I apologize. Sorry for having uh, having to have you come along. It wasn't it wasn't my call. Uh, you looked a little disappointed that you had to leave the party, and I just want you to know if I had any call in it, I, I would have, have, have asked for you to stay. But you know how it goes sometimes when the orders come from on top of the hill, it just rolls down, and can't really stop it from happening. So I, I hope you accept my apology. Um, frankly, I really don't know what to say. Could make it better. I'll get over it. Thank you for apologizing. Yeah, yeah. And as I'm in the other thing, yeah, I look in the rearview mirror again of my car and look back. She suddenly feels like, uh, like on his apology, um, a little ashamed. Like she's like, oh god, I I was overreacting, and like realized the alcohol might have been getting to her, and she probably overreacted. You know, like she's being petty, and him apologizing to her just made her realize, like. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. <laughs> out of so she, no she kind of just, she still kind of avoids talking too much though, but this now out of shame, not from like irritation. Now she's just kind of like reflecting, like, I'm being a bitch right now. Yeah, yeah. It's just this, this kid, he's got some issues going on. And, um, well, you know, I think, you know, me and, Katrina kind of had an interesting conversation back at the club about rather than turning away and pretending like we don't know some of our court members have issues with substance abuse or <clears throat> that may be their way escaping what we they, they dealt with that maybe we should probably take a more of a proactive stance and uh and, and and trying to make them a functional member of our society I mean to be honest you from what I've heard about you Isabel and you Katrina and even you Frank and I kind of like say it like kind of to try to like you know a warm pull into the conversation i don't want him to feel ignored seem to have been be pretty productive right you all kind of hold jobs and are kind of doing your own thing at the moment well manny always needs help with things so so he always calls me to do stuff for him and he did a lot for me so i always help him and the boys and girls from the court gratitude is a very good virtue that that, that people i wish everyone would have Seems to be lacking in many, though. So you should be very proud of the fact, Frank, that not only does Manny find it that he can trust and value you for what you contribute, but you should feel proud that you appreciate what he's done for you. And uh, maybe you can teach that to this kid when we get to his house here, huh? I'm sure it'll be fine. I'll just knock on his door 
and check up on him. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I just kind of continue the small talk, so there's not this awkward silence in the car uh, until we get to to Charlie's house. <laughs> and like you, and like I said earlier, um, it's not really too far of a drive. I think like the longest route I'm seeing on the uh, maps here is like 25 minutes. So it's not going to take uh, too too long. All right, so you you pull into um, onto Charlie's Street. You're in the the area of uh, Sunrise, and it's a little it's a little bit more suburban than um, than Los Olas. Uh, so you were given Charlie's address, and you you pull up to his street, and you're kind of just uh, counting down the houses to to figure out which one is his. All the houses on this street are kind of like these one one story ranch houses. Um, not too big, not too luxurious at all. Just very typical. Most of the houses look somewhat like identical to each other. You know, they have garages, they have drive like a driveway. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty just straightforward suburban neighborhood. And Is you it get a place to, I'm familiar with at all? You knowing the area, yeah. You, I mean, you've you've probably like been here before, but you know, it's not a place that you would associate with like having anything. You know. Okay. It's like, cause I mean, it's just one of those kind of like smaller towns. It's, it's kind of a little bit away from all the bright flashy parts of, of Southern Florida. Not a place where I would, uh, have, um, tried to sell, make, make money. She oh. probably goes for, you know, the higher value homes trying to, uh, that's, uh, that's, you know, probably her thing is, is dealing yeah. with the high value real estate. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, maybe you're familiar with the area from like a, a point when you were like starting out and you know kind of selling more modest homes to to people in the Southern Florida area. But where you're at now, it's it it's not a place that you like frequent often. You your clientele has kind of um, improved a little bit. So you get to the the address. Uh, you know, you eat, uh, Raymond. You you look at the uh, the napkin that has Charlie's address written down that Norma had given you or, or whatever. And, and, you know, you see the number 86 and you, you're, you're uh, rolling down the street, 87 and there it is 86. And you just see a typical ranch house, like all the others. Um, there's a blue van in the driveway. Uh, other than that, it looks very standard uh, trash can out front lawn is pretty, pretty much uh you know uh, well managed there's not like trash everywhere and stuff like that it's it's just a very typical house that blends in with all the others on the street so i'm going to look at uh the other three i'm just going to kind of like pull on, along the curb and i'm just going to kind of be like let me go and see if i can handle this on my own i don't want to seem too overbearing and imposing on him um if i if i do need any kind of assistance which i don't foresee to be honest uh i'll make sure to come back and get you guys but um just let me go out there on my own first and and see what I can find out. And uh, and then we do need some kind of group intervention. Uh, I'll, I'll grab you guys. Is that okay? Sound good to you guys? Um, without answering, uh, Isabel will just kind of turn your mirror towards herself and check her hair and her makeup and, and just kind of look at you and be like, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I look at the back seat and I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. And I just kind of like open the door and close the door behind me and uh, take a deep breath and kind of walk up to the door. Um, is there, are there, do I see any lights like in through any windows or anything to the extent like someone's home? Yeah. So you, you can see, uh, you know, you can see, see lights in the windows. Um, maybe you see uh, that there's like a TV going on inside. Um, it appears that, you know, the occupants are home. The, the porch okay. light is on. And what time is it about? Time, it's probably, it's probably like, I want to say maybe ten, uh, like nine thirty, or ten. Yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and just I'll ring the doorbell then. All right, you ring the doorbell, and uh, after about five, five or ten seconds, you kind of hear some footsteps coming up to the to the door, and then it it um, opens up halfway, you know, like or just like a slit because of one of those um, chain locks, and you see yeah, a, yeah, yeah. an elderly woman kind of peek through. And she's she's looking at you, and she, yes, uh, yes, ma'am. Hi, is uh, Charlie home? Ah, uh, no, habla. Um, uh... she's, she's, only, she's only speaking Spanish back to you. She looks kind of confused, and she's just um. I don't think I have because languages are merit, right? I believe so. I kind of be like, uh, Charlie, Charlie, 
Charlie. See, Charlie. Yes. Uh, she'll she'll unlock the door and um and open it up and she she opens it for you and just, she just lets you right in. Oh, gracias. Um, and you just hear she starts yelling up the stairs, Charlie. And she's kind she's of trying to get him to come down and she's she's motioning for you to you to follow her. It's a it's a one story house. So she starts uh she starts motioning you towards towards the back of the house where there's kind of like a like a, a sub basement kind of thing. It, it you know some stairs that like go down a little bit and then there's sort of like a a little basement finished basement room kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's she's leading you down. And you get to a door, and she just she just starts knocking at it. Charlie, Charlie. I'm kind of like listening as she knocks on the door, just you know, like the normal when you hear movement behind a door. Yeah, and you like can that. hear some music coming from the other side of the door. Um, it's not too loud or anything. It's it's at a it's at a you know somewhat moderate volume, but but you can hear uh, music on the other side of the door. And as soon as the knocking and the the you know the calling starts, it's it just stops, and within seconds, Charlie comes right to the door and he opens it up and he sees you and he just looks, you know, somewhat, somewhat surprised, but then, you know, not, not too taken aback by it. And he just says, Oh, Raymond, it's weird. What are you doing here? And he just is like, thank you, Abuela. And you know, his, his grandmother kind of carries on with what she was doing. And um, so yeah. to describe Charlie really quick, Charlie ap- appears to be uh in his teenage years, um, it's it's hard to distinguish like exactly what his age is, but anything from like sixteen to like eighteen, you know, he's he's a very young guy. He's a darkling as well. He has a uh, like a purplish gray color skin, and his hair is like very like wispy, and it's also it's like a white color as well. And it's long. It's kind of he's balding a, a bit in the front here. But it's long on the on the sides and the back, kind of like in a uh, '80s like mullet style a little bit. And um, he asks you what you're doing there, but you know, as he's asking you, he opens the door and he just um, he just lets you right in. Um, the and the clothing he's wearing, he's wearing like um, just like a heavy metal like T-shirt, like Metallica or something, and he's got like um, he has like a like bathing suit, almost like shorts, and um, like sneakers on. Charlie, uh, you got people worried. Not gonna lie. As I step into the room, kind of uh, look around the room to see, like, does it look like a mess? Does it look like where a junkie has been residing? Or you know what I mean? I'm looking actually, for like paraphernalia and stuff. When you go into his room, it's very much the typical teenage boy room. For like furniture and stuff, he has a bed, a desk. You can see like a closet. That's the door is open and there's clothes pouring out of it. He's got dressers. The room itself is plastered with posters of bands and superheroes. So he has uh, Metallica, uh, some Nine Inch Nails posters, some Spawn posters, Spider-Man posters. Uh, the room is littered with, you know, comic books, records, cassettes, like actual trash, like chips and stuff like that. And if, you, if you're looking close enough, you will see something that uh, appears to be drug paraphernalia. And if you could please give me give me a streetwise and intelligence roll, please. Okay, thank two you. dice, then. All right. Zero successes. Okay. Zero. Um, so you can see, like, uh, it looks somewhat like a... It's, it's, a, it's over, like, in the corner of his desk. It looks somewhat like a glass tube, and it's got... Um, Looks like it's kind of burnt at the end. There's some foil around and other... Uh, you can tell it's it's something bad. It's like drugs or something. What exactly it is, you don't really know. But that's pretty much what you see. And he he kind of like takes a, a seat on his bed and he's he's like, yeah, I I know. I I know people are worried about me and I'm I'm really sorry. I'm I'm sorry I haven't talked to anybody or checked in or anything like that. And you know, really everything is okay. It's just, uh, I've just been dealing with some stuff lately and it's, you know, it's, I just want to be alone. Is there a chair like in this room that I can sit at? Yeah. So he's sitting on his bed. He has like a, like a desk where, you know, like a very, very old school computer sits and there's kind of like one of those typical office swivel chairs 
I'll just take the chair and I'll kind of move it to like sit across from wherever he's sitting on the bed, you know, and just kind of like sit down in it and kind of prop my elbows on my knees and be like, a lot of people have been where you are at right now. I've told this to matter of fact, I just told this to someone earlier tonight that we all deal with what we've gone through in our own way. But the one thing that I could probably attest to is the fact that no one has ever been able to deal with what we've gone through by themselves. That's why you find our kind often seem to be pulling together in these cities. And that's why we accepted you and your friends here when Miami didn't. So I'm going to ask you as a friend and as a peer, what is going on right now that is making you feel you have to seclude yourself from those that care about you? He's going to give you this look like he's some somehow just not really surprised at all by like anything you're saying. Like maybe it's something that he's heard before from somebody else or, or something like that. And you're just going to take like a quick sigh. He, he looks very coherent. I just want to note. He doesn't seem really like out of it or anything at all. Seems to be, you know, normal. And he's just going to sigh. And, and he says, I take it. I take it normal saying you're right. I, I mean, no offense. You're, you're not the first person I expected to be here. It wasn't that Norma sent me. It was that Norma let me know what was going on. And she was concerned. And I told her I'd come here and check for her. I'm not here because I was tasked to do it or some chore, Charlie. I'm here because I genuinely care about you. I don't want to see you in the state. You or your friends. And you see him. He he frowns up. He's His face is somewhat saddened. And he's, you know, I, I care about Norma, right? You know, I care about all you guys. You too, Raymond. You're my core mate. And... All you guys, you've all done so much for me. Do you, do you know what makes my group, the group that I run with, different from other groups in the Freehold? Why, no, Charlie, why is that? I don't know if anybody's ever told you about this, but all the, all, the, all the people in the Crow, we murder our fetches. It's not a spoken rule. It's not anything like that. It's just something we all do. The first time we ever had to do it, it was with Melissa's fetch, but that's a story for another time. And then after that, we decided we would each take care of our own fetch personally. And I'll never forget that shit either, what it was like to do mine. I was, I'd only been back for like a week. So I go home to see Abuela and that's when I see him. And then not too long after I met the others and they told me to just forget about it, that, that that life is gone now, you know, that I had to start over again. And it, it hurt, you know, it, it really hurt. Charlie, I need you to fucking listen to me right now. No, listen, after what happened with Melissa's copy, though, we all decided that we weren't going to let those fucking things live our lives for us. I went in at night to this room that we're sitting in right now, and I bashed its brains in while it was sleeping. And the feeling, it was me who I was killing. Do you understand? Maybe what I killed that night was more of me. And I mean the real me, the actual me, than I will ever be again. And I've just been thinking about it so much lately. Just tell Norma that I'm sorry, okay? And that I'm okay. Charlie, I rub my forehead as I look down, kind of like clenching my jaw a little bit. And I, and I look back up. You need to fucking listen to me. And what I'm about to tell you right now. Are you listening, boy? I'm listening. And I, I want to stress out a character like his voice is taking on more of like a little southern Florida. You know what I mean? The white trash in him starting to come out just a little bit here. You know what you fucking killed there, boy, is not us. It's not real. It is not a someone or something that is worth sitting here mourning about. All this philosophical bullshit you're spouting right now is over a creature that stole you from the real world. You understand me, boy? You're sitting here waxing poetic about something that's dealt and was part of the kidnapping of you from your family. Just putting that shit in your body and I motion my head towards whatever that fucking pipe and that tinfoil is. It's and not a way. Over somewhat embarrassed kind of, oh, like, you know, oh shit, like should have covered that up, but he knows it's too late now. And he's just like, oh, but yeah, there's nothing to be, there's nothing to be embarrassed about what you're doing right now to yourself. You're making those assholes who took you win. you sitting here, Feeling sorry over some monsters that pretended to be you? The motherfucker who stole you is winning right now. You understand? You know why I sit here in front of you, boy, and I don't show the real us? You know why I do that? Because I don't want to give that son of a bitch the gratification satisfaction to know that he changed me and who I am. I, I point myself in my chest, get to decide that. 
No monster that decided to kidnap me from my family in the real world gets to decide that. Right now, that monster that took you and your friends, he's deciding your fate, not you. You get what I'm saying? Like, you I need to get out of this room. I get you, Ray. It's not it's not the principle of the thing that I'm against. It's it's what it was like. That thing I was killing Forget was me. It. I looked in its eyes. It was as real as anything. And then when I pulled the, was- the fucking fucking guts out of that thing and it turned into a straw man, it still just kind of stuck with me a little bit. But the reason why I'm telling you this story I- is because ever since I've been back, I've just been trying to get control over the things that scare me. I've been trying to control my own fears. And that's how I got involved with Norma and you and everyone else in the court. When I saw fear in other people, I understood it in myself. And when I was the one to cause the fear, I felt, I don't know, good. I felt strong. I felt like a little bit of my hurt and my fear was washed away or something like that. Anyways, you'll have to excuse me if I'm not making sense. I've never really talked about this to anybody before, but I feel like maybe it's it's time to to explain myself a little bit. Something happened to me and I'm finally scared again. And it it's 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 crazy. I I just it's just too much. What is it that you saw? I'll tell I'll tell you what I can because I'm not I'm not part of the group anymore and I'm not gonna name names and I'm not gonna you know you know I'm not gonna get too into it, but basically me and some other people we kind of put this group together and there's other ones in other places and we'd go around and we'd, we'd scare people, you know, and that's how we, we fed off of that. That gave us our glamor. You know, we'd, we'd orchestrate these elaborate things. We'd, uh, we'd make these myths and then we'd go out there and we'd, we'd do things that would make people believe them, give them something really to be afraid of. You ever hear of the swamp daddy? Can't say that I have. Well, that was something we made up. It was just this, uh, you know, this, old Halloween mask that, uh, you know, I won't say his name, but this old Halloween mask that, that one of them came up with. And we, we made this whole identity around it and we just went out and we scared people. We made them believe that that was, you know, some people call them urban legends. Some people call them boogeymen. It's, you know, we would just reinforce those ideas and other people give them something to really be afraid of. And we benefited from it. And I had no problem scaring people. It, it erased some of my pain. And I didn't really see any, any problems with it, you know. Uh, I'm an I'm a Autumn Court member, you know. It's the court of fear. I, I'm perfectly comfortable with, with giving people a little scare. Hell, I've been through it and, you know, do people some good to be afraid every once in a while to not get too comfortable with their lives. The world is dangerous. But anyways, long story short, I was, I was going to scare this kid. I had it all set up. It was just going to be me. I was going to go outside of his window, just give it a couple knocks and just give him the classic classic boo scare, you know? Make this little kid wet his pants, give him something to have nightmares about for a week. It, it's nothing serious. It's just, you know, it's just what we do. It's it's part of our fun. It's part of a, you know, it's it's not the it's not the best. I can't really say I'm proud. And he kind of looks down. And he's like, "But but I'm just telling you the truth." But anyways, I go up to this kid's house, you know, I'm, I'm climbing up to where, where this kid's bedroom window is and I'm, I'm waiting for him to, to be almost asleep so I can, I can make my big scare and, you know, make it as, as impactful as I possibly can. And that's when it fucking happened, man. I saw one of them and the way that he says one of them, Raymond, you immediately know what he means. He means a true fae. When I hear what he just mentioned... I'm going to, and I want to explain to you out of character to see if it's possible or if I have to rule anything. When I pretty much hear that he's just admitting to me that he saw a true fade and he's been sitting here sitting on it, I think my temper is going to come out right now because it's slowly been building hearing him talk like this. And I think like hearing him like say straight up that he knows that there's been a true fade and he hasn't told anyone about it here. Uh, I would like to do the following. I want to shoot to your idea before um, I actually say I'm going to do mm-hmm. it. I want to smack him just out of reflex. You know what I mean? Yeah. Drop or drop my um, mask. Yep. You know, let my true self come out and just kind of like leap out of the chair, and just kind of like grab him by his shirt. And I want to like, what I'm going to say, I'm going to like pretty much like scream in his face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do it. But uh, I don't know if you want me to roll or if I can just do no, that you or can whatever. Just do I want. that. Just tell me what that, what that looks like. 
I'm going to straight up just out of reflex, just like smack him across his face, like open-handed, you know, and just drop my mask. And that like insubstantial smokiness I had like to my form is going to be like crimson red. It's going to be red's going to be swirling around in it, you know, and I'm just going to like fucking grab him by his shirt and be like, you son of a bitch. And I'm just like going to be fucking screaming at him. I'm going to slap one more time and be like, get the fuck dressed, go outside now. And I push him back and I just stand there and I look down on him like just like just realizing at that moment just like my um just anger just totally took over my actions like i didn't even it was just instinct that just took over there you know get dressed now you're coming outside with me now and i just like kind of like try to add you know while these colors are just swirling up brighter the more that i the louder that i scream very cool and you will just see in his face his eyes just change to this like scared surprised you know like a, like a little kid when they're when their parents you know lose it on them and he's just like you can see that he's immediately just almost in tears he's 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 shook by this and he's just like wait wait wait, wait. just just listen just listen to the rest i shut I, up there's more to this you can tell me you can tell me and i'm gonna calm that start calming down and like turn you know what i mean grayer you can tell me on the way back but you're getting dressed right now and you're gonna get it in the car with me and you're going to continue to tell me while we drive you to Amanda. And you're going to explain to Amanda. Do you understand? He's putting his jacket on. He's, he is ready to go. He's, he's like, he, he's shooting his pants right now because that, you know, that wasn't what he expected. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts? Or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High-level games the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin at highlevelgames.ca please help they're coming <laughs> the Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing The Central District is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire Districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city?
Neon Masquerade. The Demon's Mirror. Thirteen Candles. Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the duets tag to find out more. like world of darkness do you want to introduce your friends to it but there's one problem nobody reads books anymore this presents you with a problem doesn't it you want to get your friends into these awesome games but they don't have the time or wherewithal to read any of them well that's where brett the hitman comes in Brett the Hitman, your one-stop shop on YouTube for all things related to World of Darkness. Currently in the middle of his Werewolf the Apocalypse series, which is showing tremendous growth. It's going to the moon! That's right, watch Brett the Hitman and you will get style. Flare. Humor. <laughs> and of course, some dank meme magic. Fucking normies. Brett the Hitman on YouTube at youtube.com slash I love other people's misery. So watch now. If only for the dank memes. Tune in today! Hi guys, I wanted to let you know about my YouTube channel, the video journals of Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey is a character I play in a live-action vampire game called New England Nightmares, which uses the new Finite Studio rules for Mind's Eye Theatre. The Chronicle's set in the city of New Haven, Connecticut, and we run on the third Saturday of every month in Southington, Connecticut. Most of the credit for the stories told in my journals comes from the plots developed by the amazing storytellers who run my game. So the videos on my channel are basically an in-character video logs of the newly sired Ventru Mike Bailey. They follow him from his days as a naive mortal, to his violent embrace during the Anarch Revolt in the City of London, on to his arrival in the shores of New Haven. The journals show Mike trying to come to terms with his kindred nature, his powerful but impure blood, and his attempts to hide his past from other members of the court of Prince Lucius. They put out updates every two weeks, and I love feedback and questions, so check out my channel, subscribe, and leave me a comment.